Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen. So we are at the end of our sermon series on the Ten Commandments with the Tenth Commandment of, uh, that's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It reads, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when I text you guys about this Sunday and I said, this is going to be one of the hardest. It's going to be one of the hardest teachings. And the reason is, is that because coveting is something that is accountability between you and God. All the other ones, people will find out if you kill somebody. People are going to find out if you lied. People are going to find out if, if, you, if you stole something. Those are accountability. You could have been easily judged and kept accountable to this. Coveting, it's in your heart and in your mind. You could be coveting and nobody will know about it. So the only conviction comes from the Lord if you let him convict you. So, and Jesus taught about this. I'm just going to jump into this really quick. In Mark chapter 10... Uh, verse 17, the rich young ruler. And, and Jesus has this amazing teaching about your heart. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before, before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Jesus already setting him up. Like that was perfect. He's already setting him up about nobody's good says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. You guys notice how he stated those yeah. other, um, other uh, commandments that you could be accountable for. He didn't say the covet part, right? And the, and the guy, and the young ruler says, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was boy. So he's saying, I'm good. That's what I'm saying. Jesus set him up already from the beginning because he wants to say, I'm good. I have followed all these things. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I love that. And it says, one thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And that, and that, and this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So Jesus shows, again, this commandment of covet or desire right to his heart. He's like, all right, you've done all those things. You didn't murder. You didn't steal. You didn't lie. All those things. You honored your mother and father. But let's check your heart. You've done everything good on the outside. But let me check your heart. And that's why us teaching today on the 10th commandment of coveting or desiring is going to be so much challenging because it is just between you and God. You can get away with it at all times. We sit in there, we're looking at stuff, we're wondering, we're hoping, we're being jealous of things that we don't have, and God's checking our hearts. God is looking at our hearts. So that's what we want to today get into it because it is so important and again, when, uh, as we talk about this word covet, it's, it's hamad, which means desire. Mm. All right. So a lot of the times when we talk about it, I think uh, desire is, is, is filled more as you read through the scripture and, the, and the, that word is being used. In the scripture, it sounds more of a, like a desire than covet. 
Um, so as we're teaching, you guys are going to hear us use uh, desire more than coveting. Mm-hmm. So, and, it, and this sin is from the beginning, right? Yeah, before we get into that, I just want to reread with the word because, again, when we hear covet, that word is kind of foreign. Mm-hmm. It's not something we use all the time. So I want to reread the commandment with the word desire. It says, you shall not desire your neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. You shall not desire your neighbor's wife. Mm-hmm. Or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So we should not envy or be jealous. We should not even desire the things that, you know, the, the old saying, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So we should, not, we should not desire something that does not belong to us. Ending uh, a year and looking into a new year, um, we, our focus actually tends to be, it's the timing of this is pretty perfect because everyone is talking about their goals for the new yes. year. I want to lose weight. I want to find a, you know, a partner. I want to, I want to get that promotion. I want to get that new house. I want to, and the, the goals that we set are, are very much these, these desires that we, we covet because we see other people who have it and we then want it. Right. Mm-hmm. But we want to take you back. So this word Hamad um, one of the first places it appears in scripture is in Genesis chapter three, which is, we know the story. It's, it's the fall of man. It's when the serpent uh, comes and tempts the, the Adam and Eve. And he, he questions God's word. And he says, you will surely not die. God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. But here's where it is in verse six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and Hamad, oh, I'm sorry, and pleasing to the eye and also Hamad for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. So in other words, she desired the wisdom. So for whatever reason she saw, and maybe it was because, you know, serpents don't talk. And all of a sudden this serpent seems to be smart and knows what's going on and is in this tree. So her assumption that she comes to is that for whatever reason, she's envying, she's desiring that wisdom from wherever she's seen it. And she's tempted because of this desire, because of her, her envy that she has, that's already deep in her heart. So we see that because of that, um, that the sin starts with desire and out of that desire, we actually fall into sin. Uh, And it starts right here in the very first sin. So we have to take coveting very seriously because while it may be the 10th commandment and we tend to think of it, oh, well, it's towards the end. So it's not really as important as the other ones. I think that God intentionally places it last because as, as my husband said, it's in the heart and people don't see it. The other commandments are behavioral. People can see them. They're external. People can, you can get caught stealing. You can be caught in a lie. You can be, but when you covet, it's inside your heart. And the only one who knows your heart is the Lord. And the very first sin and all sin that came from it started with coveting. So that's why this is so important. And then when you go to Genesis chapter 4. Yeah, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. And just before we continue, just we're not saying that desiring something is, is evil. It's just what do you desire? Sometimes you're going to desire evil things and sometimes you can desire good things. And what our teaching today is going to be about how we need to desire the good things, the things of, of, of God, the things of kingdom. Because when we desire uh, things of the world, that's going to lead us into trouble. All right. So when we use the word desire, it doesn't mean that's always evil. Okay. So <clears throat> this desire part is always 
going to be challenging us. In uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, um, Adam and Eve, they had Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. And verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So it's this huge warning straight from God to Cain that, hey, this desire, this evil desire wants to consume you. But you must have power over it. And that's going to be the, the teaching for the rest of the day is, is how we can stop this desire, this evil desire, because this desire wants to take you to places where you don't want to go. And... James really talks about that. You have it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. James really teaches us why we've got to be so careful about these desires. Right? So James chapter 1, verses, uh, I'll start with verse 13 and go to 15. Uh, we see this same pattern that we saw in Genesis 3, uh, but explained what exactly took place. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This is how it happens. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And that's exactly the same pattern that we saw in Genesis 3, is that there was a desire, and the desire then led to sin, where they actually ate of the forbidden fruit. And then when it is full grown, obviously the curse, God already warned them that the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And so death entered the world because of that desire, because of that sin. And for us to, as he was reading in the story of Cain and Abel, that sin desires to master you, right? And what, we, what happens is, is when we give in to our desires, when we allow ourselves to be motivated and we allow our desires to control our actions, we actually become a slave to those desires. Mm -hmm. So we have to stop sin at the desire stage. How much harder is it when you're already in a sin, right? So for example, you're in an addiction. It's so much harder to quit when you're already in it, when you're already in that sin, when you're already in addiction, yeah. or when you're already in the middle of having an affair, when you're already in that, it's, if you can catch the sin with the desire, it's so much easier to, to stop it because it's not full grown yet. So it's, the evil desire is still sinful, but it's not as sinful as the outward behavior when it starts to take control over your life and starts to determine your, your actions. Yeah, I think I, I teach that all the time to, to when I do men's Bible studies or just discipleship and everything else. There's times where you can stop. Like people, because we're the, the men, all the Christians, but we're like, I cannot be tempted. You'll be tempted in this world. But what is your next step? So you got tempted. Now you have a desire. Oh, man, I got a desire. No, you can stop there. I sinned. You can still repent there. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not just 
I got tempted and that's it, I, I have fallen. No, there's all these places where you can stop. You can always stop before, before you, you have the desire. You can always stop after you have sinned. But if you keep on doing that, that's when the, that temptation, that desire, that sin can lead to death. So we want to stop that. The, the other side of James, just, I, I love that James just follows, on, follows um, those verses to further. It's verses 16 and 17. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And now it's reminding us that what we need to desire is what's coming from God the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God. It's His Son. It's not a brand new car. It's not a brand new TV or a house or whatever else. The things that came from above was the Holy Spirit, was Jesus Christ, and the anointing of the Word. Amen. Everything else is not from above. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this thing. He says, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Yes. Eagerly, if you're going to desire something, desire the greater gifts. And of course, uh, we're not going to get into the gifts of the, uh, the Spirit because we've, we've done this teaching a number of times already. We can desire, but eagerly desire the greater things, things that come from God and God alone. So 1 John chapter 2, this is kind of getting into the next point. So we, we know that coveting is wrong. We know that jealousy and envy, that these things are wrong. Um, but what we're meant to do is to seek first the kingdom of God. And, and as we get into that, um, we, we want to just point out, uh, because in order to understand the kingdom, you have to understand that there are two kingdoms that are at war here. And so in order to tell, like, is this desire from God or is this desire uh, from, from man? Is this desire from the enemy? First yep. um, John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For anything in this world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, does not come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of the Lord lives forever. So as we're saying, it's, the word desire is not always wrong, but what we should be desiring is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, um, faithfulness. All of these things should be what we're desiring. When we find ourselves desiring that new car and all of these things of the world, um, we, it doesn't mean that we don't, if we have a need, God will provide for all of our needs. But when we just want it because we want it and we think it looks cool and we pursue these things and they take up our time and energy pursuing them and we find ourselves laboring for those things um, or that we're not, uh, we're not content because we, we feel that those things will make us happy. That's loving the world. And the, that's exactly what the scripture is telling us not to do, is not to love the world or the things in it. You know, to be pursuing the fanciest car and the nice clothes and all of those things. That we should be simple people who just live in the world and we trust what God is providing. And we know that he'll provide for every need. Now, we may have wants. But again, when those wants start to take us away from God and they entice us um, and lead us into sin, we need to stop with that desire and surrender it to the Lord. Yeah, so when we're desiring uh, Matthew 
Um, Jesus teaches in Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, uh, 6.33. Again, Mm -hmm. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what I love about this verse is that when our mindset is on his kingdom and on his righteousness, then the things that of the world is not as important now. So, yes, those are good things to desire or to want, like especially church said, or even especially when you need. You need a job. You need a car. You need mm-hmm. an apartment to live in. It's all those things that you, that you might need uh, for this. But when you desire his kingdom and his righteousness, those things don't rule you now. They don't tempt you. You do not start um, looking away from God. And looking towards the things of the world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that awesome proverb, don't give me too much that I'll forget you or too little that I'll sin against you. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's, it's that kind of mindset. It's so when we're seeking his kingdom, like, I'm blessed because you died for me. I'm blessed that you resurrected. I'm blessed that I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm blessed. So when you start thank, giving thanks to the Lord, because of the kingdom in our in, in our lives, it becomes a little bit different, and the, what we look at is becomes a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Our our uh, mindset becomes a little bit different on those desires. So, just to kind of recap, so coveting and these desires um, not only lead us to sin, um, but they also enslave us to sin. Uh, the other thing is that in we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35 through 38. Here you see two of the apostles, right? Uh, James and John, sons of thunder. They were known for always being a little bit outspoken, a little bit impulsive. Uh, So James and John, starting in verse 35, the sons of Zebedee came to him, meaning Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Already a pretty bold, bold request right there. Uh, What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So this sounds in some ways... Like a very noble, you know, it's talking about Jesus being in his glory and they believe that he will be in that state and that he's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But there's a, there's a coveting that's there that they want above all the other apostles. They want the seats at his right and at his left, which were places of honor. And so they're elevating themselves above the other disciples and they're desiring a seat that may not be intended for them. And they have the audacity to actually go and request that from Jesus. And Jesus' response is, you don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And what he's saying here is when we covet, when we have greed or when we have envy, what you don't know is what the other person is going through. So that whole grass is greener on the other side. You don't know what struggles they have. You don't know what illnesses they're battling. You don't know what hardships they've, you know, they've gone through. And so when we covet, 
we, we tend to just only see the ideal. We don't mm-hmm. see what it took to get there. Even in the church, we might covet. We may say, oh, man, I wish I could sing like her. Oh, man, I wish I had that wisdom. Or, oh, I wish. And, and we, we want these other things that, again, are veiled because they're spiritual things. But really, we still have envy in our hearts. Just like James and John, when they came, it sounds like it's a noble request. It sounds like, Lord, we love you and we honor you and give us the seat at your left and at your right. And he says, you don't know what you're asking. So we have to be careful when we, when we envy or when we covet that God might actually give us what we ask. And it's, it's going to be harmful towards us. It's not going to be for our good. And when he says no that instead of getting angry or upset about it, we realize that he's actually protecting us yeah. because there's something that we would suffer, something that we would go through yeah. that, that we're not prepared to handle. And interestingly, they answer to his question. He says, can you drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they have, again, the boldness to say, we can. They have no idea. Even though he's revealed it to them, even though he's right before this, he predicts his death. Right before this, he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me and all, all of these things. They didn't have understanding of what that truly meant. And so they say, we can, they answered. And Jesus says, okay, well, you actually will. He says, you, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And then he says, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So he, he prepares them that they are going to have to suffer. They will go through, through those things, but they're still not going to get the seats to the right and to the left because it's not meant for them. And he's, he's pushing them and teaching them, uh, which we're going to get to, which is to be content with what God has given you. We're here, yeah. right? Okay. No, I'm just, it, was just, it was just reading. <clears throat> and imagine, imagine the, how it breaks up the, the unity like, I know that the other 10 apostles were like, oh, yeah. seriously? Verse 41 says, the 10 heard about this and they became indignant with James and John. Yep. So our, our greed and our envy and our, our evil desires create division among friends, among family, and especially in the church. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And James, wow. James talks about this in chapter 4. It starts off, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And there's this, this gut check. Like, you have all these desires... And it's not to, to be, give God the glory. You have all these, I know, I know, I fear some, but I'm sure I have said it. Lord, if you just give me a million dollars, like if I can win the lottery, I probably we should play, play first. <laughs> I need to play the lottery first. But, <laughs> but if I win the lottery, I'll give it to the church. Yeah, but I also want to buy a new bike. I want to buy this. I have all these, my own desires and my own pleasures. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times people are seeking things. Again, let's go into the church. I want to worship like that person worships because I want to be on stage right there up there and I want to get the recognition. So it's not God, give me the gift of worship so I can worship you better. It's more God, give me the gift of worship so I can be on stage and people can can applaud me and look at me and I can have the honor 
and, and the privilege of standing, standing on top, you know? And that's the problem. That's what he's saying, that people are praying for things, and they're sometimes trying to make it a godly thing. And they're just doing it for their own pleasure and they just want to do it for their own desires that has nothing to do with God. And again, going back to Matthew 6, 33, they're not looking for kingdom. They're not looking for righteousness. They're just looking what's going to be better for them. To edify the flesh. Absolutely. So that, that is important to look, look at that. Like, why? Why are you even praying? Like, this is going even further. It's not just coveting, but now you're talking to God and you're lying to God. God, give me this, and I'm going to give this to you. But that's not what you desire. Right? right. Yeah, and when we, when we do this, uh, it's important to note, notice, too, that with our evil desires, sometimes we know. We know that they're not from God. We know that they're selfish. We know, deep down, we know these things. And so we try to get them our own way. Mm. We try to get them through our own hands. We try to make it happen for ourselves, Right. And this scripture is saying, if you have the right motives, right, then you should turn and ask God. And if, you, if you're asking God and he's saying no, then that's a mirror back that your motives are probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Because the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. So if, you're, if your requests are righteous, if your requests are good desires and kingdom first desires, then he will grant you the desires of your heart. But if he's saying no, what we have to do is check our heart mm-hmm. and see the fact that what is our real motive? Why is it that we really want this? And then to take a step back and then submit and surrender that desire to the Lord for him to, to transform your heart so that what we desire is his desire, right? Not our will, but his will be done. Let our hearts be transformed into having the heart of God rather than expecting God to give us what we want. Mm-hmm. So I was reminded as you were talking, I can't, I can't find it right now though, but there's the story of... Uh, where, where God comes to Solomon and he asks Solomon that he will, he gives him this incredible opportunity that I'll give you whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And Solomon asks for, for wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And this was a godly request. And so God is in some ways amazed by the fact that, that Solomon asks for this. Mm-hmm. And he responds to Solomon, because you have not asked for kingdoms and horses and wives and money and power and all these other things, He's like, I will grant you the wisdom that you ask for. You'll be more wise than any of the kings before you and any other kings after you. But also, I will give you the horses and the chariots and the, and the wealth and all of those things because of the fact that his priorities were in order. And so this is the amazing part of God's grace is that if we, if we check our desires and we seek first his kingdom and we make a request that is in alignment, that we're seeking first his wisdom, which he says in James that if any of us lacks wisdom, all we have to do is ask, and he gives it to us generously. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sure what you should be asking for or praying for, wisdom should be at the top of your list. That's always a really good one, and God loves that prayer. Uh, but if we pursue those things, then God will start to give us these other – he'll bless us in other ways that we didn't expect. And there will be things that we, um, we even maybe had let go of, and we're not even sure if we still want them. But God is like, here's that car you wanted – Here's that house you wanted. Here's that promotion you wanted. And now all of a sudden you're like, I don't, I don't even know if I want this anymore because I don't want it to distract me from the intimacy that I found with God. I don't want it to become a stumbling block for me. Um, but I, I know this even from my own life. There was uh, several years 
where we were unable to have a child. And we tried fertility treatments. We tried the whole thing. Um, and the doctors were like, it's pretty much impossible because it's, it was an issue with both of us. Um, and I had kind of, at this point, it was, we went through this for like seven or eight years. And at this point I was approaching my thirties and I had kind of moved on. I was like, that time in my life is pretty much over. I was deeper into my, into ministry. I was busy full time with ministry. Uh, and I had kind of pushed that behind me and, you know, all those prayers that I had prayed, cause I was like, Lord, we just really want a child. Would you bless us with a child? I had come to this place where that was no longer something that I even wanted. And then in 2007, uh, I actually was, I was praying and I was reading my scripture. I was reading the story of Abraham and Sarah and God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, at this time next year, you will have a son. And sometimes you read scripture and I'm just like, this is historical. This is a great story. God did this miracle, whatever. But sometimes you're reading it and God is just like, no, I need you to park there for a minute because I'm about to do something. And I just kind of dismissed it or whatever, but I had my journal and I wrote it down in my journal, just that today this verse stuck with me. I, I don't necessarily know what it means. So I jotted it down in my journal and then I kind of went on with my, I was actually preparing for a, a teaching and I wanted to unpack what the scripture meant for the teaching. Fast forward, um, there was numerous things. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but all these prophetic things that were happening in my life, random people coming up to me, telling me that I was going to have a son and all this stuff um, over the next few months. And I ended up finding out that I was pregnant. And then he was born in August. And in September, I was, I actually had him in my lap and I was nursing him and I decided to read through my old journal. And literally it was to the day, it was September 15th. I was sitting on the couch and I was holding my son and I read that entry from September 15th, a year before. And it said, at this time next year, you will be holding your son. So, and it was just amazing because again, it was a dream that I had given up on. It was a hope that I had given up on, but he was like, don't seek the child, seek first the Lord, seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added to you as well. So again, you may move on and you may not even want those things anymore, but God knows the desires of your heart. And I'm not saying this as a guarantee and a promise, but he very often in his grace and in his mercy, he will grant you those things. Because he's our father and he's generous like that. And he knows what you want and he knows what's good for you. And he doesn't withhold any good thing. Right? It, amen. Yeah. amen. Amen. And now the, the story that you've signed, it was in first Kings chapter three. Um, oh, so if, you, if you guys want to write that down so you guys can. One more page, re, guys. Re, read that first Kings chapter three, seven through 15. I was literally on first Kings chapter four. I didn't go back yeah. one more page and I would have found it. Yeah. It, it's just. Thank you for sharing that. That was wonderful. I remember that. That was actually my that was actually my bir- my birthday present in two thousand seven. She gave me the pregnancy test for my birthday, so that was pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's that thing, right? It's it's having faith in God first before He provides. I, I that's that's the challenge. It's it's having faith in Him, trusting Him. Um, before he provides. And I think that's why he, he kind of challenges us to, to give the first fruits. That's why he keeps on challenging us to, to trust him with all our heart. Um, do not waver from left to right and just kind of focus in on what he has for us. Um, I think that's, that's kind of where he's at. Um, the other thing 
I can actually. James chapter 3, 14 and 16. And it kind of goes with uh, with the evil desires. And again, just being really careful about this. Verse 14, it says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, mm -hmm. there you find disorder and every evil practice. Mm -hmm. And in New King James Version, it actually says demonic. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, that, it's that serious. This, this envy, this, this desires that, that are not of God, it becomes so evil that it can become demonic. Because it's going to lead us to a place where God doesn't want you to be. So what can we do? Like, let's look at the positive now, right? We, we talked about seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. We, we, we're trying to figure out our mindset. We're, we're trusting him. We're looking to him always in all times, in all circumstances. We don't quarrel. We, we pray with a desire for greater things that can come from him. We're, we're focused on Jesus. We're focused on the Holy Spirit and his word. So how can we live the, these lives that we can, we can move on? And I think Paul talks about this really well in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 13. <clears throat> this, this is a, the 413. It's one of those verses that many know. Do you have it? Yeah. Yeah. Starting with 11, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. Okay, we'll start from the middle of verse 11, Philippians 4, 11, starting in the second half. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So we've often heard, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And people misapply this to all sorts of things. It's like, I can, I can win the lottery because Christ gives me strength. I can get that job because Christ gives me strength. And, um, you I know, can lift 500 pounds. I can lift 500 pounds because yeah. Christ gives me strength. Um, that's actually a really popular one for weightlifting. People yeah, that, that yeah. every time you see a Christian weightlifting shirt, it says... Philippians 4.13. And I was like, yeah, it has nothing to do with working out. Has nothing to do with it. And this is a, this is a misappropriation of exactly what we're saying, is that we take scripture and we try to apply it to our selfish desires. But in context here, the, the opposite of coveting, the opposite of, these, of envy and greed is to be content. So this scripture actually gives us the key of, of how to break free from these evil desires, how to break free from the sin of coveting is to learn to be content, whether you have much, whether you have little, whether you're, uh, you know, in need or whether you have plenty. Um, and that's what, what Paul is talking about here, that if we learn to be content, whatever the circumstances, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, meaning I can survive times when God doesn't even give me what I need. I will still survive because God will give me the strength. He may not give me what I want, 
but he will provide his strength. He will be with me. His presence goes before me. And that's the context of this verse. And it's, and it's, I love the fact that he used, I have learned the secret of being content because it's something that's hidden that you wouldn't necessarily think of. We all have these, you know, selfish ambition. We all have these goals. We all have these desires, but really the key to breaking free from that is the secret of being content of learning to put yourself in situations where you don't get what you want, where you don't get your way and to, to still praise the Lord anyway, and mm-hmm. to still be satisfied with what you have. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, it's, it's just, it's that again, focusing on Christ that we're content because we have Christ in our lives. We're content because the Holy spirit is with us. We're content is because that we have a relationship with God that should be that His should grace be enough. is sufficient for us mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. we're, we're saying lots of songs that you are enough mm-hmm. Th- thousand better one day in this court mm-hmm. than thousand elsewhere we, we it sounds amazing and we sing the songs but is it true are we content with that is our relationship with god c- content with that i love that uh one of the verses is just right above uh Again, again, another one that, that people quote is in the four, four, uh, five. Let your gentle, uh, sorry, six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present everything. And I love that part is because they're focusing on what you have in thanksgiving. And it becomes, for me at least, when I get anxious, when I get stressed, when things are going, if I pause and thank God for what I have, and what he has provided for me and what he has given for me, my prayer becomes different. Mm-hmm. My wants become different because now I'm starting to content with already what he has given. And I realize he has given me so much. He has given Amen. his life for me. Amen. He has given me the Holy Spirit that has sealed me that the time, the time of death, there's going to be resurrection. Amen. That is enough. That is enough for us. Mm-hmm. So just to, to close here, Again, this, the, the act of coveting, the act of having these, these selfish desires, selfish ambition even, uh, is, it's an internal process that God knows your heart, but you also know your heart. And the Holy yes. Spirit will reveal and bring light so that you can see these areas of your heart where you are pursuing gain or selfish uh, pride. And what we have to do in order to avoid this is mentioned in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, Mm. for it is the wellspring of life. So, again, because this sin originates in our hearts with our own evil desires, uh, we have to guard our hearts. So we have to actively um, not just, oh, I'm going to kill envy, I'm going to kill greed, but you actually have to actively protect your heart by putting his word in your heart, meditating on his truth, through prayer, uh, learning to be content, all of these things. So above all else, this is how important. This is above all else means if you catch nothing else from all of this that's been said today, Hmm. above all else, guard your heart. Because the same way that out of your selfish desires, all dissension, sin, death, all of these things spring, If your heart is good, if you've guarded your heart and your heart is in the right place, it is the wellspring of life. So if you guard your heart 
out of it everything that's life-giving, all of the joy, all of the peace, all of the patience, the goodness, the kindness, all of the blessings, um, you know, we, it will all flow from the outpouring of your heart. So above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The same way that the heart above all else is deceitful mm-hmm. and is beyond a cure, mm-hmm. God has given us a new heart. But we have to guard that heart so that we don't once again become enslaved to the, our selfish desires, which are part of our sinful nature. So as we surrender that to the Lord, he will renew our heart and he will give us desires that match his will. Amen. Amen. Let's- Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.